This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. A lot of fun coming up here in hour number two of Seattle Sports at Night. Earlier today, the XFL announced their team names, but we kind of go through some of the weirder descriptions that were out there. There were some, like, the reasoning behind some of these team names... It uh, you had to go pretty far to to, <laughs> to go get it. Well, the dragons like the first thing was like this has nothing to do with the northwest, right? Like that was the one part I was just like, oh, okay. Well. With the water, and it's like, are they coming out of the water? Yeah, is the dragons coming out of the water? I don't remember dragons coming out of water. They were more fire, you know. But I will say that the videos that they did, although they were kind of weird and and no, they unique, were kind of cool. I, I thought they were awesome. They yeah. were like they the. The way they set it up, the music, the talking through, the the hype, the buildup was pretty cool. So mm-hmm. um, I thought they did a pretty good job with it. And now that you kind of have, you know, a second to digest it, I'm, I think I think it's going to be great. The dragons are going to be great here in Seattle. What if I told you, Jake, that there are some remixes to those team videos? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You're just going to have to You're stay just tuned. You're going to have to stay tuned. Is this about... XFL official remixes? Um, um, it might be. It could be. It, I mean, if they want them. Yeah, if they want them, they can have them. For a price. Cut the check, XFL. Oh, Cut the check. Make sure you stick around for 815. It's about <laughs> to get real interesting. If I know my co-host... It's about to get real if, interesting. Actually, here. if you know your co-hosts, me and Curtis will be in tears when <laughs> these are playing. How funny we are. No one else will yeah, be laughing. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, but right now, the Seahawks, their defensive line, still with a lot left to be desired. You've got LJ Collier, his injury, Ziggy Ansa. You don't know what his status is going to be for week one. Jaron Reed, his six-week suspension. So how do they go about filling those holes? Well, there are a couple of guys who names have been thrown out there as possible trade targets. Jadavian Clowney, who's currently holding out with the Houston Texans. Also, Everson Griffin of the Minnesota Vikings. His name also getting tossed out there lately. Griffin last year, I think, didn't he go AWOL at one point? Like, he had some... Yeah, he had some serious mental issues that he had to uh, leave for at least a game, um, possibly two, um, and so, yeah, it was really scary there for Everson Griffin. And it, he eventually got it figured out, got it under control, and played at the end of the year and all that. Um, but, yeah, those are the two names that have been thrown around there with trade talks for Seattle. And was on with Brock and Salk uh, yesterday morning, and you know, Brock and I were kind of talking through this. And I think the big thing is I've been hearing the conversations, guys, and I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about this, is to me it really comes down to one simple question is – will this player help get you to a Super Bowl? And if you feel that that answer is yes, because by all accounts, this offense, the way it looks, the way it's going right now, uh, this is a Super Bowl contending offense. I, I really believe that. I think they have what it takes to get themselves to a Super Bowl. This defense, however, there are some major questions, and the preseason has not answered those questions. Actually, it's just leaving you with more concern as uh, as of late. And if that defensive end, and if it Everson Griffin or Jadavian Clowney can help get you to a Super Bowl, then the answer is yes, I, all the way. If the answer is no, you're in a position where, in, and I hate to say this because every year you should be competing for a Super Bowl, but in 2020 and 2021, this organization is set up beautifully to with cap space and draft capital 
to really be aggressive, make some aggressive trades, go after guys in free agency, and really catapult themselves into legit Super Bowl contenders. And with Jadavian Clowney, you're in a situation, you're in a one-year rental, right? And that's the part where it's concerning. You're using this guy for one year. And in one year, can you maximize this guy's talents and ability to get you uh, to the Super Bowl? So with that, what, what do you what do you guys think? I look at it a couple of years ago when they made the trade for Sheldon Richardson. That was a move everybody thought, oh, I mean, you look at this defense. There's all pros and pro bowlers all around. You add another pro bowler to this, this defense is Super Bowl bound. What happened that season? They went 9-7, and seven, had their worst or that that was the only season in which the Legion of Boom era Seahawks missed the postseason. And I feel like if you're going to make a trade for Jadavian Clowney and give up draft capital or, or make a trade for Everson Griffin and give up a second round pick, you gotta be absolutely certain of your team and their abilities to go deep into the playoffs. I look at the Seahawks right now and I don't see that. I don't see a team right now that is going to go out there and, and compete for an NFC title. I just I, maybe that's the the pessimist in me, but the holes are more than just what's on the defensive line. That secondary right. in in week three left a lot to be desired. There's more to it than just getting one pass rusher. And let's say L.J. Collier and Ziggy Ansah miss extended time, and let's say Jaron Reed, you know, not let's say Reed comes back, but then also gets dinged up, gets hurt, he misses more than six weeks. Right now, Jadavian Clowney, just getting him in, doesn't solve the other problems on the defensive line. It, it helps. I mean, if he gets nine, ten sacks, that's nice to have. But the Seahawks need somebody to step up within that organization outside of maybe going out and getting somebody. Yeah, I don't know that I – I don't disagree with your premise in general, that you have to be pretty certain that you can go deep in the playoffs if you're making that move and, and you aren't quite sure how they're going to do this season or you don't see them contending in that way. But what I will say is that with Sheldon Richardson, it was like, it would be like if it's your cheat day and you've already had pizza and, and cookies and all this stuff and you're like, and I want ice cream and you're just going all out. Like you're adding something you really don't need, but you're doing because it's just like, why like not? It. Like, cause, cause you like it. Do, do that too often. Exactly. And, yeah. and you're like, well, yeah, now I have all this stuff and, and it didn't work out. Um, but imagine if it was like you have a cheat day or you haven't eaten, but you get one thing. Like, you don't want like a, a tiny baby carrot. No, like you you're gonna have to have something. You're gonna have something of substance. So, so this is a weird analogy, <laughs> but what I'm <laughs> no Curtis, no, no Curtis. Uh-oh. What I'm saying is that, like, in the same vein, sometimes if you aren't sure what you have and you really, you really feel like you need someone big, not not it would be nice to have someone, but like we need a difference maker. It's gonna have to be a player like that. It's gonna have to be a player that is good enough to make a difference on his own, and even though it seems like a splurge. And I, I, I'm just mostly playing devil's advocate because overall I do think I agree with you. But I think that if you're in a place where you feel like you don't have anything and you need something, it has to be a star. You can't make a difference with just like a, a street free agent that you happen to stumble on, usually. Right. I, I look at when they made the trade for Sheldon Richardson, it was a byproduct of Malik McDowell not being able to play that season. I think you make a trade for Jadavian Clowney, it's a byproduct of Jaron Reed not being able to play for the first six weeks, or Ziggy Ansah. And the ripple effects from trading a guy like that, or trading for a guy like that and giving up a high draft pick, 
I mean, the Seahawks, I think, are still feeling the ripple effects from that Sheldon Richardson trade because had that trade not been made, maybe Frank Clark is still here. Well, the Sheldon Richardson trade was one of the after effects of the Malik McDowell thing. Right. Yeah. That is true. I, I look at this guy and I, I sit <laughs> That's there and stare at me. Yeah. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I thought you said it was feeling from the Sheldon Richardson was, was no. causing an effect. Gotcha. No, no. Oh so sorry, I got so, distracted. It's okay. So the, the, my my thing is here, guys, is that okay? You do have a s- secondary that is struggling a little bit. That looks like there are a lot more questions out there. But the best way to help a secondary is to get pass rush, right? And a guy like Jadavian Clowney can absolutely help in that in that area. And also, when you look at how much money it's going to require, let's play through this scenario. You you trade for Jadavian Clowney, make it maybe it takes a second round pick and an offensive player, a second round pick and and maybe some more picks after that, mm-hmm. lower round picks. Um, but uh, then you cut Barkevius Mingo, right? So that sixteen seventeen million dollars that he's supposed to be earning this year now is mitigated by three four million dollars of Barkevius Mingo's money that you just re- that you just got relief of. So really now you're getting him. At a at a discounted price from where you were originally at, uh, a discounted price from what you were going to pay Frank Clark this year. I think it's I think it's worth it. Honestly, I, I really do believe that. I don't know, Curtis, if I would go as far as to say that this team is with Jadavian Clowney. They are Super Bowl contending because I do agree with you that it doesn't mitigate all problems in the secondary, right? And and all of that. But at the same time. You look at this front line and you say, okay, if Ziggy Ansah is healthy, you get Jaron Reed back. At some point in time, your front line, your front seven, becomes Ziggy Ansah, Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, Jadavian Clowney, K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, uh, Michael Kendricks. You Not just bad. You just upgraded your front seven to one of the best in the league. And, oh, by the way, the guys that we're talking about trying to be front line players, Jacob Martin, Cassius Marsh, Rasheem Green, L.J. Collier, now they get to play in relief. They get to play roles. They get to play in situations that is more comfortable for them in in these in a, in a role that's more comfortable to them instead of being a front line guy. And now you have better depth. So to me, this is a this is a move that I would welcome with open arms. And yeah, I would take a a one year renegade who's trying to make a name for himself this year and trying to earn himself a big contract, just like we're trying to do with Ziggy Ansah. I think that there's something to be said there. Renegade. Mm, that's Interesting word choice. Yeah, one of the XFL teams, actually, Curtis. The Dallas Renegades. Mm, that was the one name that I thought fit with the, with the town. Well, when you hear some of these team names coming up in the next segment and the descriptions that go along with it, I think there's going to be some other names that you think are, are quite the fit. Right. That's coming up next here. Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need your text questions to the Coors Light text line, 710-710 for Ask Us Anything. That's coming up at 845, a half hour from now. And then in Big If True, who do the Seahawks need to break out in 2019? Well, someone from the NFL Network has spotlighted one specific Seahawk. That's coming up in about 15 minutes from now. But today, some cool news in the city of Seattle. We now know the name of the XFL franchise that's going to kick off play in 2020. It's the Seattle Dragons, which Seattle Dragons. I'm okay with it. Say it a few times. I'm okay with it as well. Jake, you know, possibly the future 
quarterback of the Dragons. We'll see. Uh, it's pretty soon. There's, I'm going to start a campaign. I don't know if anybody's going to join me, but yeah. pretty soon I'll start a campaign. Uh, Seattle Dragons games are just going to turn into, um, what's that thing called when you dress up? Cosplay. Okay. Game of Thrones cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's what Stacy. If she comes to a game, that's what she's going to be doing. Absolutely, yes. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if that catches on in the stands at CenturyLink Field. Now, if you were watching the live stream of the event today on Twitter, Facebook Live, it was all over the internet. The team name reveals got pretty dang intense. Intense. They're really intense. In fact, here is the actual reveal of the Seattle Dragons team name. Rising. From the turbulent sea, beneath the darkening skies of their weather-hardened home, relentless, ruthless, ravenous, not of mythology, but of muscle and might, not of folklore, but of football. This is your darkest fantasy in cleats. The Seattle Dragons, breathing fire, February 2020. Your darkest fantasy in cleats. Let's go! Let's strap on the pads. Curtis and I, I mean, not to brag, but we thought we could do a good job too, Uh making kind of our own intros. Um, So we thought it would be fun to choose... uh, just, you know, so like some animal intros. Yeah. We both like learning. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay Vipers. Yeah. They're a, they're a team that's going to be playing in the XFL in 2020. Right. Stacy mm-hmm. took it upon herself to uh, lay down an intro for, for the Vipers. Okay. Just tell me what you think of it, Jake. All right. A venomous villain readies himself in the brush of Tampa Bay. Their strike, lightning quick. Their poison, from within. It contains an abundance of protein-degrading enzymes that produce symptoms such as pain, strong local swelling and necrosis, blood loss from cardiovascular damage, and disruption of the blood-clotting system. Death is usually caused by collapse in blood pressure. These poisonous predators are ready for battle. Feel it. I like it. Feel it. I like it. Let's go. Jake was trying so hard. Before it starts, Jake turns to Ashley because we have the studio cam, and he's like, make sure you capture me not reacting at all to any of these. <laughs> we broke you with the first one. We did. That was yeah. just the first one. Uh, How many more do you have? Just, just one more. Just one more. Well, because we just wanted to do the animal ones because we felt like it was fun to learn stuff during the intros. Yeah, we were able to oh, uh, wow. not just research these teams i was but, not expecting that yeah. i was uh, well just you wait we got one more we got one more now the uh curtis lended his vocal skills i did uh for the la wildcats oh, uh i think it was fitting since i you know my alma mater is the Wildcats. exactly that's why i i laid down the uh narration for uh for la's team their den the field their prey anything they want these are perennial predators. All primetime action and ready to pounce. The ability to roar comes from an elongated and specially adapted larynx and hyoid apparatus. When air passes through the larynx on the way from the lungs, 
The cartilage walls of the larynx vibrate, producing a sound that can be heard from more than eight kilometers away. Ferocious, flexible, fang. These primetime predators are ready to pounce. Jake is crying. <laughs> he is. His face we is broke so him. red. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. XFL. I Feel love it. I, 2020. I, I, honestly, like those are my two favorite intros of all the intros. <laughs> I think so. They uh, should have just easy, they should have handed it over to us. Oh, we could have wow. done it on a discount. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jake is thought, in tears. Right? Jake is actually wiping tears from his eyes. I, I thought I could hold it together no, and like I wasn't no. gonna I honestly thought they were going to be super lame. Honestly, you lasted lame. until I said, I don't know where the script I wrote is, but once I said, their poison is made up of protein, something, yeah. protein <laughs> enzymes. With enzymes. I just couldn't do it. Yeah, honestly, your guys' voices were perfect. Does that get you Thank psyched? You. Does that get you pumped? Yes. Psyched. That gets me piped and, uh, hyped and I feel educated at the same time. Like That's what I wanted. You, you, you know, honestly, you guys may have, you guys are onto something here. Like, you're making learning fun, fun and, intense, and, and, and yeah. scary. Right, yeah. It, it yeah. just is bringing people into it. Exactly. We, we this take might you on be a, a journey. new learning curriculum. I want to teach, but also threaten and intimidate. Yeah. Yes, like, and it. you guys did that very, very well. Thank you. The words we, we had, they, they cut. Honestly, <sighs> right we, need to, to, get, we need to get Taylor Jacobs on this very fast, but you guys need to put that video out. You guys need to put your voices on there uh and we need to tweet this out the people need to hear this oh yeah i'll yeah. I'll, I'll post it on the 710 account please so do there is. It, oh my gosh uh, good work, i tried guys. to do one for the um what's the team name the hawks Legitimate the st Pierce. louis wow. battle st louis battle hawks i started writing one i couldn't get to it but i started doing it about falconry <laughs> oh, so it was gonna be like they were winged warriors they fight like fly to kill, and then it was gonna be about them wearing little hats. Oh gosh! <laughs> I couldn't get through the script for that one. Were you wearing that uh, that mm. glove that goes up to your shoulder? It was either gonna be that, or it was gonna be the history of raptors. <laughs> wow. the The thing that would be challenging though is dragons, because there's not necessarily uh, biological evidence or yeah that they right, exist. Right, right. I think it just would have had to be crocodiles. Well, Stacy, you are. You know, queen of the dragons. So I am. I am. You probably know more than than others about it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. I mean, I think that we can't say for sure that they didn't exist. I think that's being a little that's painting with a broad brush. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's it's hard to find a lot of kind of facts about them. But I'll say hey, that. Yeah. Uh, getting love for those from the Coors Light text line two hundred six reporting. Saying, Stacy, that was the best stuff I've heard in a long time. Keep it up, girl. Nice. And then from the five hundred nine, y'all's were good though. <laughs> like, yeah. like they were good. That's the thing. Like I were, I honestly was expecting the narration to be dumb, corny, but you know, the voices were perfect. We they went were on it. Yeah. Like yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. someone's turning this on and they don't know anything, they would not guess. I want to end the show with one of them. Like, I just want to close just out with like, it. Write it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then let the, the music go. This is Seattle Sports at Night, and then we're just going to play one of them like and LA, let it play out. LA Wildcats. Yep, yep. Perfect. Let, I'm on board. Yeah, run, we'll run through the nicknames here. Uh, DC Defenders. I don't know. I Well, I mean, hey, I, I guess. What about the offense? They're, that's only half the game they're, they're focused on. <laughs> that's true. Dallas that's Renegades. Really Houston Roughnecks. Yeah, that one really threw me through a loop right there. The Roughnecks. like It yeah. feels mean. Mm. Um, Los Angeles Wildcats, obviously, bear down. And then my 
personal favorite, actually, besides the Seattle Dragons, was the New York Guardians. But I was a huge Batman fan when I was little, and it has like a Gotham vibe to it, which yeah, I they liked. their video had like gargoyles. Yeah, and stuff I actually all thought that it. was kind of cool. Um, uh, then you have the St. Louis Battlehawks, the Seattle Dragons, and the Tampa Bay Vipers. Well, now that you get a chance to get the names and the color schemes. The part that I'm going to be really interested, the, what the players want, they want some swaggy uniforms. Yeah. Like, if you're yeah. going to be a new league, you got to come out with some swag. you got to come out some, with some real drip and, and make sure that these <laughs> yeah, guys, right? I think, make isn't sure that coming these guys in October? Are good, yeah, right? do we, October-ish? Do we I hope the, so. I think Jessamine McIntyre was, I think it's just at Jessamine McIntyre, was uh, tweeting from the press conference. Her and Maura Dooley went. And I think I saw something about October being a goal date for uniform. Do okay. we know who the uniform supplier is? Uh, no, we don't know yet. So that's the part that I'm interested as well. Because that, that's going to have a huge influence look, on what it looks here's like. Here's the reality. What if it's here, champion? Here's the reality. Again, I don't know. <laughs> Starter could be the sponsor. I don't want to kill anything here uh, by my comments. But I would love to see you know, a Nike, Adidas, it would be you know, cool. a little something... Yeah, more than Under that. Armour. Yeah, you know, give me give me something a little more than that. Although Under Armour, unfortunately, I did try those out my freshman year in high school. First game in them, I broke my leg. So, Uh-oh. Like oh, I'm so kinda, it's like a personal. Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah, got like it. Maybe they put you in the, that again. the Steph Curry dad shoes. I don't know uh, if that would work. Maybe, maybe. I mean, uh, the Cam Newtons. I mean, those are pretty high up. Oh there. yeah, the ones that go up to like your your shin, upper calf. Yeah, yeah I think I, those would be over the knee shoes. On yeah, <laughs> probably. And they have like the uh, doesn't Cam Newton customize his every single week? He had like yeah they tails do. coming up. I'm telling you what, guys, the the dude that has the coolest shoes is Russell Wilson. Like his shoes are sweet. Nike does those shoes. Uh, every single week, and they're they're pretty cool. You seen the ones with the skyline on them, the Seattle yeah. skyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really cool. Uh, I, I love those cleats. They they do that really well. Jake, but. thank you in advance so much for getting us a pair. of Yeah, those. like that was so cool that was of you. Really that was nice. so nice of you to uh, to yeah. hook us up. Yeah, like yeah, that. you know, you like we gifted you these these. You guys wear trailers. size. You guys wear size thirteen. Right? Collectively, actually, yes. yes, you do. I, yeah. Actually, seriously, I do. I, okay. I right, am well, a I am a men's I've, uh, four. I've got you, I've got you covered. <laughs> men's four. That's funny. Kids 13. No, whatever a women's seven is. I think it's like Probably a like men's five. four or five. Okay. We'll yeah, see, if you we'll could see, get a five. We'll see what I can work with here. Do they have kid sizes? They yeah. do have kid sizes, yes. But they're not They're not as cool, I would say, in terms of like Russ's actual cleat. Because his cleat isn't necessarily the same one that they sell to the public. His is like a... It's a little bit more morphed with different cleats. It's it's pretty cool yeah. how, was, they, how they do that for those guys like him, OBJ, I that those cleats are are sick. That was so nice of you to just volunteer. I know it's really cool. Cleats over to us, like you, know, you weren't I, I pressured to, into that at all. I take care of my squad, like my squad. Right, I take care of. <laughs> Coming up next, who do the Seahawks need to break out in that defensive group? Somebody from the NFL Network has pinpointed one specific defensive player for the Seahawks. We'll tell you who that is next. And big if true, that's next on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. One for the record books tonight here on Seattle Sports at Night. We need your text questions to the Coors Light text line 710-710 for Ask Us Anything. That's coming up 15 minutes from now as we wrap it up here on this Wednesday. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, Stacey Ross, we're all here with you. If you missed any single second of this show you can check it out 
710sports.com. Click on On Demand. Scroll down to our page. You can subscribe to the podcast there. You can also subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. You can find us there. Uh, right now, every single night around 8.30, we do Big If True. And tonight, uh, we've asked the question earlier, uh, does trading for a pass rusher get the Seahawks any closer to a Super Bowl? And you look at the defense as it's currently structured, they're going to need somebody to break out if they don't get that added production from from somebody else. And somebody from NFL Network has pinpointed a specific Seahawk. We get into it now on Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Didn't did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True comes to us from Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Probably the most impressive Seahawk in week two of the preseason, Puna Ford, has been pinpointed by Schrager as somebody he has going to have a breakout year in 2019. And let me introduce you to Puna Ford. Go on. Okay. Puna Ford, guys. The, Puna the starting DT, Jerron Reed, is going to be out for the first six games of the suspension. Puna Ford showed up, and he's a third-year guy. He was out at the University of Texas, played a little bit last year, and absolutely wrecked house on Sunday night on national television. He had three tackles for a loss. He moved the defensive line entirely back. Seahawks fans are jumping through the roof for the Puna Ford era. The crazy part is he was great in college at Texas, Mm -hmm. but he went undrafted after being first team all Big 12. Last year saw some action. This is my breakout player for that Seahawks defense because when Bobby Wagner gets that big deal, you say, okay, well, he's our guy. Outside of Bobby Wagner, can you name any other guys on that Seahawks D? They lost Frank Clark. They didn't bring too many guys in. Puna Ford, my big winner from week two of the preseason. It felt like Puna Ford was our little secret here in Seattle, like a guy who Seahawks fans knew about. But with a national TV performance the way he had on Sunday night, like is that secret starting to get out a little bit? Um, well, I would say I remember Brock talking about him last year. So he's actually a second year player and he was an undrafted rookie last year. And I remember Brock mentioning him right away as uh, a rookie that Seattle should keep an eye on. And then they eventually obviously brought him in pretty soon. Um, so yes, like he wasn't someone that a lot of folks were paying attention to last year, at least as far as like Seahawks fans watching, but certainly like people in Texas, absolutely, and people who watch a lot of college football, um, I think we're thinking he would be a priority free agent. Yeah, and also by the guy's play that he was in Texas, uh, he was a draftable player without a doubt. Yeah, It just was his size. He just wasn't the prototype. He wasn't the prototype in terms of height. His his arms, his arm length, uh, his his ability to anchor and all that stuff, uh, he, he was an absolute draftable player, but he, he falls through the cracks, and Seattle's able to get him. Uh, and this is a guy that didn't play a whole lot last year. People talk about Jacob Martin and the limited snaps and, oh, what he can be. Puna Ford was in the same category, but mm-hmm. was actually a dominant player when he played. I mean, Pro the, Football the, Focus had him rated as one of the best run stuffers in the game. I think exactly. people have a hard time in general, and I'm including myself. Like This isn't a knock on one analyst or another. I think people have a hard time watching certain positions. The interior of the defensive line is one of those groups. Like Defensive tackles is a group where you know, if you don't get a ton of sacks and 
like if it's 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 hard for people to gauge really like yeah. how good you are because they aren't quite used to right it's I like watching of, an o-lineman like yeah. how do you you gauge it by what right. they prevent it, it's true yes it's, that's a great point because i think you look at defensive linemen and the the sexiest stat on the d-line is sacks it's right. it's quarterback pressures it's wreaking havoc to the quarterback and defensive tackles they're normally the guys taking on two offensive linemen or three offensive linemen right. freeing up the guys on the outside to rush and their value is, I think, more found in being able to create for other guys. Exactly. Yeah. That's the other part, too. You, you say that in the pass rush, but it's also in the running game. One mm-hmm. of the things that you have to do as a defensive tackle, and this is what Jaron Reed was so good at his first two seasons, was being a run stuffer, meaning that he can take on the double teams. He can hold his ground, hold his gap. So what it does is it allows Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, to be playmakers at linebacker, and that's why they're getting all those tackles, not just because they're amazing players, but because the guys up front are doing their job as well. And that's what Puna Ford brings to the table. The one thing that you can see from Puna Ford and guys like Jaron Reed, um, Frank Clark at times last year, was how disruptive they were with TFLs and disrupting uh, uh, the running game uh, and blowing it up uh, in short yard situations. But Puna Ford's a guy that absolutely stands out to me, especially with Jaron Reed being out. The other guys that you could look on the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. I would say Shaq Griffin. Mm-hmm. Shaq Griffin needs to have a breakout year for Shaquille this team. Shaquille Griffin. Or, sorry, Shaquille Griffin, yes. Uh, Shaquille Griffin is a guy that needs to have a breakout year for this team to take a uh, step forward on defense. Um, they, they can't have another year from him like last year. They just simply can't. Um, and Tedrick Thompson or Marquise Blair, those those two guys. The next guy who's going to play that safety position next to Bradley McDougal, if they could have a breakout season, man, that would be a huge difference for this defense. Yeah, as far as Curtis, the overall question of who do the Seahawks need to break out and whether or not um, his point is correct, I actually think Peter is, like for the most part, I do agree with him. I think that most fans would like to see that happen along the defensive line. I think Puna Ford is a great candidate for that, not not only as a player, but at his position. Uh, I think another player would be Ziggy Ansah, and I think that it's something where there's just so much unknown there as far as health goes. But if you can imagine uh, some solid play on the interior of the line and then getting some kind of pass rusher back that's consistently producing, it those two players can do a lot for the defense as a whole. Um, And then obviously following that, like Jake said, I think I'd look to the secondary. Um, Maybe, yes, a Shaquille Griffin, uh, Trey Flowers also, but I mean, I think even just Shaquille Griffin stepping up could do a lot being being specifically that left cornerback spot. You look at uh, a lot of defensive linemen in Pete Carroll's tenure in Seattle. They've had their best years of their career here in Seattle. Chris Clemens, very early on in Pete Carroll and John Schneider's tenure, he came over in that trade from Philadelphia in in sort of a same situation where the defensive line, there were so many question marks, like who's going to rush the passer? Well, it turned out it was going to be Chris Clemens, and mm-hmm. he did a really good job of it his first couple of years here in Seattle to where he had double-digit sacks. And then Michael Bennett and, and Cliff Averill, those guys come over, have the best years of their career here in Seattle. Frank Clark, second-round pick. A lot is expected of second-rounders, but I don't know if many second-rounders develop into the kind of pass rusher that Frank Clark became here in Seattle to where it got him a a huge deal with Kansas City. And I think there are other guys who are just ready to step into that role here in Seattle. And I think it's something that is just kind of 
born with this defense. I think Jacob Martin could potentially be a guy like that, where he's just got an uncanny ability to find the quarterback, or and his effort is there as well. I think Bruce right. Irvin, another guy who you know a lot of question marks about him. Is this somebody that can develop other facets of his game? Turned out he could, and mm-hmm. turned out he he was a really nice piece to have on those championship teams. Right, and that's where you have to sit here as a Seattle fan, and unfortunately with all the question marks and all the nervousness that you have watching through the preseason, here our job is to watch and to analyze and to critique and also to show the positives and educate. The other side of it, too, is you, like you just pointed out, there is a system here, there is a culture here, there is a history of developing and turning guys, unknown guys, into star players in this league. So you have to think that, or you have to at least have hope, that Pete Carroll and this defensive crew can do just that uh, this coming season. The other side of it as well, when you're talking about guys who need to break out, you got to look at the offensive side of the ball and say that DK Metcalf and Jerem, or Jaron Brown or David Moore are one of those guys that step up and have a breakout year. We talk about how explosive this offense is, but really it's only explosive if Russell Wilson has a clear number two next to Tyler Lockett that is able to produce, able to be reliable. Um, They're going to be multifaceted. They're going to get tight ends involved and running backs and all that stuff. But you have to have a second guy that Russell Wilson can really rely on and trust for this offense to really take off to the next level. Well, and otherwise we you get Tyler Lockett of. being like double teamed on every other play. Correct, yeah. And Doug Baldwin came back in, at different points, and you saw what that offense looked yeah. like with two guys that Russell really trusted. And you also saw what it looked like when he only had one. The, the offense, the dynamic of it was drastically different. And so if you can have those guys step up and, and really shine through in the second year, this offense becomes everything that we've been talking about all offseason long. It comes to through comes through in a big way uh, in 2019. I have like a 10 second point I'm going to make because I know we have to go to break. But Jake, that's a really good point that I don't think we talk about enough. Is people think that Tyler Lockett was he was the number one uh, wide receiver as far as yardage goes last year? But I think because Doug Baldwin was injured we have this like selective memory of thinking that he was just gone all year, but he took plenty of attention away from Tyler Lockett. Also, he was still on the field a lot. And in fact, led all wide receiver and targets. I think that's a really interesting point that, um, that you bring up just now. Cause I know we've spent the whole, the segment talking about players on defense that can be that breakout star for Seattle, but the importance of having someone else to take attention away from your number one receiver or to, to balance that out and be another go-to target is cannot be overstated understated overstated i ended strong (laughs) and that's all that matters and we're about to end strong here on seattle sports tonight we need your text questions to the coors light text line 710 710 we answer those next on seattle sports tonight on 710 espn seattle you're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Shout out to you for stopping by tonight. Had a lot of fun on this one. Still have room for more fun as we answer your text no, We've questions. had too much fun. No? Nope. Man, I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> Where are you guys? We we barely have any questions on here. Like, there you go. Come on, guys. Like, send us in. Seven ten, seven ten. Coors Light text line. Yeah, yeah, come on. It's time to. Uh, oh, there ask we go. Us Anything here 
on Seattle Sports at Night. Uh, from the 425, just how concerned should we be about DK? Is this knee injury going to stretch into the season? I summarize your question. Sorry, I read through it too quickly. The 425 uh, would like to know how concerned overall you are about DK Metcalf. Uh, I, I am, uh, obviously, I think a best case scenario would be that there was no knee injury. But again, when I earlier compared LJ Collier and DK Metcalf, even though DK Metcalf is the one who had surgery, I, for some reason, am less concerned about that uh, because it just seems very minor. Whereas LJ Collier, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that he's a week one guy. I, st- I still think he's playing. I don't think it's like this end of season thing. I, I think I'm a little concerned about DK just because he's got the history of injuries right. that have kept him from the field. Uh, he never played a full season at Ole Miss. So that that's my only concern is that the history has shown that these things can, can lead to other things for DK. I agree. Uh, the, my big concern is, one, I don't think it's going to be a problem health-wise moving forward. My concern is how quickly now can he get integrated into the first-team offense? How quickly can he develop that chemistry with Russ? Because like I said, through the preseason, they have not been on the field together in a game situation. To me, that's concerning. I would like to see them start developing that chemistry when the bullets are flying. So they're going to have to do that during the season, um, which isn't ideal. So that's my, that's my biggest concern in that scenario. Uh, Kendall from Santa Monica says, you have a magic wand. Which tragic Seattle sports moment would you rather reverse? You, yeah, it's a multiple choice. Patriot Super Bowl or the Sonics leaving? Sonics leaving. Kendall. Yeah. Gosh, Sonics I think leaving. The Sonics leaving. 100%. Yeah. yeah, I would say definitely the Sonics leaving. That That is the biggest one. I Look, the Super Bowl, to say the Seahawks went back-to-back, I mean, I, I think so much history would be rewritten in terms of what that would look like in the future and all that, uh, what led to that Super Bowl and how it ended and then what came after that. I think it would be so different, and maybe you're getting uh, a third or a third after that, you know. Um, but definitely the Sonics leaving. I think that is a bigger hole. Uh, from the 360, would you rather hit a home run or dunk a basketball at the professional level? I'm going to say dunk. And I came up with a grading system for grading dunks. Mm. Lots of folks hit home runs. It's it's a conversation happening in the MLB right now. But I think, like, certain dunks, it's a moment. You know what I mean? Like, there's just power there. It's true. Also, I can't dunk a ball. I, I, don't I can't know. hit a home I, run either. I feel but. like... <laughs> oh, you can... Oh, I know. Yeah. I could crush it over the... Yeah, yeah. I could hit, like, ball. four... That would be an interesting, something. like, study to see how many people globally can either dunk a basketball or hit a home run. Yeah. I don't I feel like dunking well, a basketball there would be more. Yeah. Just because but, well, there are more people play basketball than baseball. And a home run has to be pitched to you. So really like how many people globally would hit even a single pitch at the at the major league level would oh, be like a, a tiny half of a percentage. Yes. Which makes that hard. But if I, you were just like hitting a ball like like T ball style, I think I think more people than than that would be able to hit it out of a stadium. Oh, right? yeah, what you got, people. Curtis? What, I, I what think you got? I would go with. I'd rather hit a home run. Okay, just just go yard. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. Just flipping the bat and then walking walking around the bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say for me, just my personality is I would like to dunk a basketball over somebody. 
Oh, like yeah. just totally oh, yeah. dunk it over somebody the because power. because in the NBA, <laughs> like baptized. NBA uh, and, in, and in football, you can have emotion, right? Like big yeah. play happens, you yeah. can have emotion. In baseball, you have emotion, and people get mad at you. There's brawls that I start love over. It's like flips. you can't have any fun out here. Like I can't enjoy this moment right now. Like give me a break. So I I, I think uh, dunking a basketball on somebody. Oh my would, god! Would be my now. Answer. There's so many questions. I'm choosing. I'm trying to choose between them. I love so it. Many Thank you. Um, Thank you guys. If from the three six zero, if Penny was not a first rounder, would you think differently of him? Would it be positive? From uh, Richard. Yes, yeah. it would be. I mean, you're you're a first round pick. There there are high expectations here uh, at any position, right? And so, especially at running back for this team, and you got a guy like Chris Carson who is your clear starter. You're not going to move him back for any reason. He's one of the best backs in this league, and he's got a chance to. He was a top five back. I think he's only going to climb the ranks. Uh, so you've got a special one in Chris Carson, and for Rashad Penny, man, he's really going to have to show some things this season, and and I'm hopeful that he will. Yeah, if, if Penny were a third, fourth round pick, and he, he put forth the production that he did last year, where he had a hundred yard rushing mm, game out be there, stoked. yeah, I'd be like, oh wow, this this guy maybe he comes along and and. You know, is able to play a, a nice one uh, B to Chris Carson's one A. I'd be okay with that, but yeah, the first round pick. Yeah. It's just <laughs> always that thing that lingers every time you think mm-hmm. of the shot. Then uh, from the seven seven five, where's that? Uh, what's the worst college mascot? I'm gonna Google seven seven five. Ooh, worst, worst college mascot. That's a, a Nevada area code. That's a tough one right there. I can't think of like an awful mascot because even the ones that are funny like the anteaters or the mascots you never hear about that just come out of the woodwork during the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Uh, there are always mascots where you're like, that's great. Like UMBC Retrievers, yes. <laughs> Chesapeake Bay Retriever. Okay, I've got a couple here for you. Okay. Okay, just look this up. Just I did a top twenty five deal. There's Saluki, Southern Illinois. That's uh, Rick Riz's okay. uh, Gaylord okay. the Camel from Campbell University. Okay. Um, let's see. The Gunston, George Mason. I don't even know what this is. It's yeah, like some these green are like Elmo-looking. Uh, like Dave that. Wyman character. would volunteer the Stanford tree in this argument. He <laughs> his own tree. alma mater. He hates the Stanford tree. Yeah, I would agree. The Cardinal and it's a tree. That yeah, that doesn't make any sense. What do you guys think Wazoo's football record will be at the end of the season from the two five three? Well, it sounds like Anthony Gordon's going to be their starting quarterback. Yeah, which is interesting. I, I wonder one how long that lasts, and two, like that's awesome for him. Like you hear so many stories about guys that are transferring and this and that, and you know you got a guy here who has waited his turn, right, and is going to be a redshirt senior going into this. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how efficient that he can run this offense and if there ever is a time where Gage Gabrud is going to see the field because he's an athletic athletic guy. I think you can pencil in a Mike Leach coach team for at least seven wins every year. Mm-hmm. And if things break right, maybe it gets up to nine or ten. Yeah. But I think at least seven is a good jump-off point. I think it's going to go a little bit better. I think I have them probably eight and four. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Eight and four, uh, and and you could possibly see them getting nine wins this season. Um, I have a choice between two. You can either choose, Jake, has an animal or person ever ran onto the field while you were playing, or for either of you, what's a sports opinion that uh, drives you insane? Um, one, no, there's never been an animal that has run on the field. 
when I have played. Um, sports opinion that drives me nuts. I was thinking like... I, I think the biggest sports opinion that drives me nuts is just the lack of the lack of respect that Pete Carroll gets, honestly. Okay. Um, that well, that one really drives me nuts because I think Pete Carroll... I actually, I know that Pete Carroll is one of the most influential coaches in all of sports, in, in the NFL. And uh, it's because of his personality, his nature, the way he goes about it. People may want to resist him and not like it, but there's been so many so many college programs, so many NFL teams that have tried to take on that approach, that persona that Pete Carroll has. So his approach, also his scheme, and, the, and all of that has really, cha- has really shaped the way that football is played, especially in the NFL and college football. Do you have one? Uh, it's not like some game changing take, but yeah. But like, if it if it irks you every time, it does time. irk me when people ask the question, "Who's the best shooter in NBA history?" And it's the answer is not Steph Curry. It's Stephen Curry. Like it's far and away, Steph Curry is the greatest right. shooter of all so time. So each time no, you're like, you're just saying it to be different and ironic. Yes, like it is not Larry Bird. Yeah, he he was great in his era. Reggie Miller, yeah. Ray Allen. No, it is Steph Curry. No one on earth has ever shot a basketball better than him. And, like, it will never – like, no one will touch it. I'm sorry. That's that's how it's going to end tonight. That's a good – I know. There are more questions, you guys, but Wait I'm sorry. Second. We're that's out not of time. how it's ending. You're ending on, uh, you're ending on a, a, a send-off here with the uh... – Oh yeah! That's oh, you're right. right. Come you're on. right. We are. Uh, let, let's go, LA, or let's go, Tampa Bay uh, Vipers here. All right. Uh, so that is going to do it for us here tonight. For Jakeep, Stacy Ross, and Ashley Cox on the ones and twos. I'm Curtis Rogers. See ya. We will talk to you tomorrow right here on Seattle Sports Tonight. A venomous villain readies himself in the brush of Tampa Bay. Their strike lightning quick. Their poison from within. It contains an abundance of protein-degrading enzymes that produce symptoms such as pain, strong local swelling and necrosis, blood loss from cardiovascular damage, and disruption of the blood clotting system. Death is usually caused by collapse in blood pressure. These poisonous predators are ready for battle.